interest in the following audio recording produced by Chesterton House, a center for Christian studies at Cornell University. Support for Chesterton House comes entirely from listeners like you, and we invite you to help us continue making the recordings of past lectures available at no cost through a donation to the ministry. You can find additional resources and make a donation at www.chestertonhouse.org. This audio recording is copyrighted and unauthorized duplication is prohibited. So, any things you'd like to raise? Yeah. To sentimentality or cynicism? Uh, sentimentality. Yeah, okay. This yeah. Yeah, I think it's a death of hope. It's a sitting back and sniping, putting. It it depends. Um, I think many Christians are 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 cynical in their reflex responses to all sorts of things of of uh, other people. You're you're loath to believe in heroes. You're loath to be able to, to recognize that someone really. Uh, has done something well or right or good, uh, you are apt to see through and, de- and, and, and unmask bad motivations in them. You're very apt to, we got a huge number of Christian cynics at, at Labrie, uh, very cynical about the church uh, and the people of God together that um, can't relate to the church, hopeless bunch of people, uh, they're all uh, too much this or too much that or too middle class or too stupid to uh, whatever. I mean, there's just a zillion different angles uh, that, that Christians can put down Christian organizations. Um, I think it's a short trip from cynicism about the church to cynicism about God himself. Um, Christians are very often very cynical about marriage. <clears throat> I know... One pastor in New York City who was suddenly shocked to wake up one morning and realize, I've been here, very good-sized church in New York City, I've been here for four years and I've not married a single person. What's going on? Lots of young people in my congregation, none of them have any, any uh, uh, intention of getting married. They all see marriage as a, as a trap. Uh, I mean, sure, I mean, there's a lot of reason why to think that way. But it's not a Christian. They're not Christian reasons. This is a, just a deep individualism, and a cynicism. Uh, so, let me. Any other? I'd like to hear other people answer that. Say before we answer, we're getting to another question. Other people answer his question. Any other people want to? Yeah, there's a huge Christian cynicism, which I haven't dared to get into at all here, coming out of what I would call Christian tribalism, in the sense of a ghetto, ghetto Christianity, circle the wagons Christianity. We are right. We are holy. We are good. We have all the answers. We uh, people out there, and we speak our own Christian dialect, and and we educate our own kids all ourselves, and everybody out there is evil and stupid. 
And, and there's a horrendous cynicism there which is totally unglorifying to God, which just, um, I think, is a complete failure to be salt and light. Um, but that's a, that's a particular um, syndrome of, of a tribal mentality, of, of, a, of, a, uh, of we are the ones who have the whole, the whole truth and, and um, uh, we hold on tight and, and push everybody else away and we don't really want to know that much about the outside world anyway because it's dangerous. And so we don't, sure enough, we don't know much about it, but we know it's bad. Uh, but that's a profoundly cynical uh, take on it and not God's take on it, <laughs> nor some of the major theologians of the history of the church. Um, yeah, does that give you something to chew on? And uh, I don't know if you... Is, is the Wittenberg door still printed? Is, it is? That, 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 that's a, well, that was a magazine that was sort of a satirical Christian magazine, which, which much of the time I thought was more than satire, was just sort of feeding cynical Christians with cynicism. You know, uh, if, but that's unfair because there were some good people... Doing it, but I, but but sometimes I, I I felt are we just nourishing Christian people with in a certain self satisfaction and superiority because we're not like those Christians, you know, and and uh, and yeah, and, and cynicism is a form of self protection, and I think sometimes Christians are in insecurity, feeling the need for self-protection, and so the cynicism about everything around us helps establish that sort of uh, self-protection in our insecurity. Uh, but a, uh, a, real, a real cost. And, and given what, what uh, the Bible says about Jesus died, the church is the body of Christ, Jesus died for the body of Christ. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we can't just say our group that speaks our language, that uh, drinks our kind of coffee and dresses as we do, uh, are the ones on the inside somehow with the Lord. Uh, yeah? Um, you said that cynicism is a form of self-protection. Yeah. And so in reference to the church, do you think um, that's a way for people, like do you think that the church is failing to provide what people are hoping for and so that's where the cynicism comes from when people just have um, misplaced expectations about what the church is supposed to look like and what it's supposed to do, and so that leads to disappointment and frustration. Yeah, I think both. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, <clears throat> certainly the church isn't doing all sorts of th- the church. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, much of the church isn't doing what it, what it what it ought to be doing. Although a lot of churches are doing tremendous things, wonderful things. Uh, but also, we start with a, with naive and utopian ideas of what the church ought to be like, and and uh, there shouldn't be any naive people in the church. There should be any, shouldn't be people in my church that have the wrong political views, for example. Uh, what are they doing in this church? They have completely incorrect political views, you know, <laughs> and, and on both sides, on, on right and left. Um, so we can have an idea of church that's built on our university. Uh, Christian student group where we were all together seeing eye to eye on almost everything. People same age, same educational background, maybe even similar economic backgrounds to many people. We're all together. We uh, know each other very well. And then you're plunged into people of different ages, different economic backgrounds, different political perspectives. <sighs> what are these people doing? 
uh, young kids making all this racket, these old people mumbling and, and all these issues they've, they've been doing for, for centuries. What's this about? You know? And so there's all sorts of bad expectations that we have from our own, from our own provincialness, really, from our own narrowness of experience. Uh, but, but I think also... I, I, it's hard, I think, I, and I battle with this myself a lot. I see Christians doing things that, as I relate to my friends who are not Christians, I'm ashamed of them reading the newspapers and seeing what these Christians are saying and doing. You know, I'm ashamed of having the same Lord. And I need to deal with that somehow. I'm not sure I deal with it very well or very right. Uh, but I've got to somehow... And again, it's not my job to go around and correct everybody whatever he reads in the newspaper... But, but uh, I've got to somehow speak about Christian brothers and sisters who do what I think are really wrong and silly things, but still as brothers disagreeing. I've got to be able to say I, can, I disagree with what they've did, but I, done. But I need to be able to respect them and not just mock them. And and uh, it may be easier to just disrespect them out of self-protection. And uh, because you do see Christians do stupid things. I mean, Christians do do stupid things. High visibility Christians do high visibility stupid things. And, and, and uh, sure enough, it's hard to get around that. But how do we uh, not just self-protect over that, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and uh, uh, to, to, to be able to say, I disagree with this, but whatever. you know, And, and, and not to just diss the person or diss their value or whatever. And, and uh, so I find that very help, uh, very very difficult to do because we have often the people who come to Libri come not at all by any means, but an awful lot of them come because they've been messed around by some other Christian group, and they come burned and angry and cynical and uh, wanting a fight, and at least wanting sympathy from us that we're not going to just agree with all the stuff that, that's been done unto them, and uh, you have to. You have to uh, admit that, yes, what was done, done to you was horrendous. Uh, but somehow, not just be self-protective in the sense of, of um, putting them down and dismissing them. I, I'm not really... <clears throat> at times, I'm really not good at that. I, I get over the top and rolling. And, yeah... That's right. We've had an interesting time. As I mentioned, a couple of you, we, we, my wife and I, have been going to an African American church for the last ten or twelve years, <clears throat> and we try and come to Libri. You don't need to go to church because some people are totally don't need to go to church or need to need to not go to church for a while because <clears throat> they're so fried. <clears throat> so we don't require anyone to go to church, but we encourage them to go to church with us. And it's been a for a great number of people who've been very cynical about the church, coming along to our, our church has really given them a different perspective. 
because you can't all the standard bashes of white churches don't quite work, uh, and and, and uh, it just doesn't come across. Uh, and so I've been really grateful for that. But but sometimes just help people see different churches and different groups of people who have all sorts of different issues going. And, and it's uh, it's it's wonderful to see because a lot of them are people who've you can't say you know Christians are just into the easy life or something like this, and they're they're into their country. They have their um, you know their country club for Sundays sort of thing. But that's you just can't say that about our church. <laughs> well, there are all sorts of churches you can't say that about if you're honest. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's... But you're right in saying that we are the church if we're Christian people. We're, we, the church is us. And so um, we can sort of mock the gathered congregations that meet on Sunday mornings, but we ought to be in one of them somewhere ourselves <laughs> and uh, pulling to try and make things better rather than worse and, and uh, making some sort of contribution there. Yeah, any other things we'd like to kick around? Yeah. <clears throat> I believe you kind of mentioned that racism and prejudice have their roots in cynicism or possible roots. Can you kind of expound on that? Yeah. I, well, I, I just what I said is is um, one of the <clears throat> um, one of the ways to guard against cynicism is to see people as individuals rather than as groups, rather than evaluate people according to whatever group they're in, whether it be racial, ethnic, sex, gender, or whatever. Uh, and yes, I think, I think um, um, racism, let's say, is a, is a very powerful application of what I'm talking about. Is it's, it's, it's reducing a whole race of people to certain of your devaluing evaluations, you know, they are like this, or they are like that, or they're not like this, or they're not like that, and so it's it's a massive generalization, it's a massive totalizing, claiming that you can see through. So I think there's a deep cynicism really involved in all races or all prejudice in the sense of grouping groups together, uh, thinking you you can see through them all as a group, and uh, and reduce them all to this lowest whatever is it, uh, common denominator you have for them. Um, which, I mean, you just have to, have to ask, what do they know? What does someone know who's speaking that way? And, and how in the world do they know it? And that's, I think, one of the best things for people that we see who are cynical, we interacting with cynical, just with cynicism, to, to stop and ask them, how do you know that? And, and again, cynicism doesn't... Uh, doesn't willingly come out of the closet. What I try to do is deal with cynicism as it really is, but but doesn't appear to be in much discussion, because cynicism gets delivered to us in the form of an innuendo, and then you're on to something else, and and it doesn't hang around to be interviewed about. Wait a minute now, uh, what what did you really mean? We're on to do it, and, and much cynicism comes through humor, and that's really hard to oppose, you know, to, to sort of argue with a joke. Is you're really working uphill, <laughs> you know, and so you shouldn't really try to argue with the joke. But but we need to to sort of get somehow on the table what the cynic is really saying. I mean, and, and when you get to something like racism, to have someone really explain what what you need to believe to be true to make real racism hold, it starts to get very ridiculous. You know, when when you when you uh, 
say, well, do you realize what you're saying about everybody who's a member of that race? Every man, every woman? You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous when you, when you think of what the claim is, the implicit claim, as over and against when you ask them to actually explicate what they mean. So I think a lot, uh, an important thing is to get out what they really mean, and then it's, then it's not so strong. Yeah, anything else we... Okay, should we call it? Yes, all right. Um, you mentioned Ecclesiastes as one of the books for cynicism. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I actually read like, Ecclesiastes this, like, this week, and it kind of did like rock my world a little bit. Because it, was, like, it did what a little bit? Rock, world. rock your world, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if I did justice to your question, we would all lose our sunlight and, and going outside. That's a really good question. I have a little bit unusual views of Ecclesiastes. Let me see if I can say it very quickly. I, people often think, well, he starts negatively, but then he really gets positive and we're meant to, uh, and, and says, you know, obey the commandments at the end and, and everything's fine. So, so the beginning is, is, uh, uh, Looking at the world under the sun as opposed to under God. It's vanity after vanity if, we, if, if you just look at the world under the sun without God being there. Uh, I don't think that's an accurate reading of it because God is part of the futility. God is the one who's uh, made you unable to figure out what the world is going on but put eternity in your hearts. And God has given you this uh, vain world to live in where the only thing you can do is, is uh, find a wife and be happy and... Uh, survive it, uh, and he's implicit in the in the lack of meaning connection, and to make Ecclesiastes say, affirm the sort of meaningfulness of the perspective of the rest of the Bible, I think is, I don't think is really honest. Now, why it's there? The next question is why is it there? And and I think it's and this is not the majority view. Okay, so you have all sorts of other views. Uh, in Old Testament scholarship that would be, be different. Uh, I think it's there as a warning. It's as if from Solomon, it's probably written after Solomon, but as if for Solomon, who started out with the Lord and who really swung into idolatry, into pagan idolatry. Uh, and it's as if, at least written as Solomon, illustrating what happens when you lose your grip on really taking the Bible seriously, on the revealed Word of God, and you start looking at, as the pagans would have, and meaning, trying to construct meaning from the external world, from just the world around you. So I see it there as warning uh, of someone who's deeply influenced by the people of God uh, and, and, and uh, uh, Israel, but who has stepped out of line and lost it. Uh, in a powerful way. At the end, it's, it's uh, better, as Solomon might have well said that at the end, but I, 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 I can't go with those who would say it's just saying what the whole rest of the Bible is saying, you know, which is so much the message is this world is loaded with meaning. 
It is packed with meaning. It's not vanity after vanity after vanity. There's also things you can do that are vain. And if you leave your, lose your grip on God and, and, and step away from Him, then sure enough, it is vain. But, but uh, you know, the, the, the rest of the message of the Bible is that it's, everything we do is meaningful because we do it in God's name and under God and in His service. And so, I don't try and work to make it have the same message as the rest of the Bible would be there as a warning. Now, some people don't like that idea that it shouldn't be in the Bible on, that, on those terms. Fair enough. But, but uh, sorry, I, I, it's, a, it's a huge question. I haven't done justice to it here, but, but I think it is giving a different angle. But there, as to, to, to stop us and bring us up short, it's meant to do what it did to you. Say, whoa, what is this about? And, and, uh, and make you realize this, the solidity of the hope that's there in the rest of the message. So that's not a good answer, but it's, it's the direction that I, I would want to go in, I think. Are we pretty much at the... How are we, I should mention, I've got, I brought a couple of copies of this book I wrote on cynicism. I know all you need, like a hole in the head, is more books. But I thought, if anyone's interested uh, in more cynicism, I've got, I brought five copies, which I have to get ten bucks a pop for. Put this on the piano if anyone wants. So, uh, whatever. Anyway, we ought to, I want to let you get outside for a bit.